So we're going to read the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. And is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing song of praise, songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore, confess your sin. And verse 17. Do we have it? No? We'll just go without it. Verse 17 is Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnest that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, Father, for us to all to come together, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way here today, Father. It is not about us. It is not about uh, what, what we personally want, Father, but it is about your will, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because your Holy Spirit is always in control, Lord. Give us the abilities, the eyes to see, Father, ears to hear, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your glory, Father. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, please forgive me. Uh, I, I talk with my hands, so I'm using a mic. So I may feel a little awkward or anything because I like to, you know, to be open. But uh, just forgive me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a hands talker. You know, I, you know, a dramatization. There you go. You know, so I like to, I like to, you know, give you a good picture of what, what I'm trying to convey. You know, uh, so uh, today we um, we we uh, is week eight. Today is the last week, and it's week eight for our series Life Hacks, and we've been studying from the Book of James, and uh, we've been uh, addressing many different subjects. Right? If you've been here over that entire time, if you haven't, you can always go into our podcast, and all the all the uh, the messages for each one of those weeks is available in there also. So, but if you put all of those topics together, right? They relate, they, they have a root word, a, uh, a root relationship between each and every one of them. And we, and we ended last week into uh, a, a good part of what that is and what our topic is uh, this week. Is an, and, and what they all relate to is prayer. You notice there was, a, there was a common denominator between all of those messages. And the fuel to these life hacks in the series was prayer. So uh, my message today the, the title is simple for today. Very simple. My message title today is listen. Or as my, uh, my wife says, uh, listen. Listen. So with this lesson, I hope to inspire you, to encourage you to pray more. And not just more, but pray uh, from a different point of view. Because, you know, uh, we all know about prayer. Um, and I hope we do. And, uh, and some of us are very gifted in prayer, you know. Uh, some folks can, can 
pray for palmettos all the way down to anything. You know? they, they can pray down anyone or pray up anyone. And, and that's just a gift that they have. Uh, and the Bible is actually full of people that pray. We know that, right? Uh, I can preach about Paul and Silas and where, where they were praying and, and, and singing in, in the jail and, and they were singing to the, to the other prisoners and we can, and I can say how their prayer and their song and, and their praise is a prayer. Their praise is, is, is praying. And, and, and we can talk about how, how the jail began to shake and how their bonds, the, the door swung open and how their, their, their chains were broken free. We can talk about that power of prayer or how Jesus took a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And the first thing that he did was he lifted it up to the heaven and he gave thanks. And we saw the power of what that prayer did. I want to bring our current time supported with biblical context about prayer. How how it affects us today and we are now, because if you're like me, uh, you got to make you, you you have to understand where how how we are today in the society and how God and prayer works into that time frame, because we think today that we have a lot of different avenues, but when you talk about back then in those days, they only had one option, and that was going straight to prayer. But here we try to go through everything. We got the doctors, we got the lawyers, we got well, we'll go through many facets, many professions before we get down to the nitty-gritty, and that's prayer. So we're going to have a real conversation about our or, or your prayer life. Uh, you notice many people lack excitement. Do you ever feel like you lack excitement in your prayer? Does that kind of make sense? You know, uh, some people even feel guilty for not praying enough. You know what I'm saying? He's like, man, hey, you know, thank you, Lord. And, you know, Jesus wept. We got to go. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's like there's no excitement. There's no emotion or there's no, there, there's no, um, uh, oomph. What's the Spanish word for oomph? Oomph? Is that the same thing? I guess <laughs> the exact same thing. So, let you know, so what, what we need to do is we need to really, literally be honest with ourselves, right? Uh, and first, let me say is that this is a guilt-free zone. Syllabus. Okay, you got it. We got it. We're good. All right. All right. So let's go it again. This is a guilt-free zone. All right. So whatever we feel or, or whatever situation that we currently have or what we were doing, that was in the past. Right here is when we're going to have a true, real conversation with ourselves and with the Holy Spirit as to how we pray and how and how we utilize the tool that God is giving us. And I could be honest with you, and and just says, and it's crazy how crazy, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works because Demary uh, came in and she gave her testimony. Of Let's go ahead. I'm gonna switch these out. Yeah, we want to switch these out. One, two, is that better? That even sounds better, right? All right. I want to be neat. I want to put that back. We got to be stewards of what we have, right? 
Okay, so sometimes you don't even feel like praying. And like what, what Demary, when she was, she was testifying, she was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it. You know, I didn't feel like, 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 like God was there. I didn't feel like my, my prayers were answered. But, and, and sometimes that's just the way it is, you know, through our circumstances. Uh, some people and even believers, they're not even sure God even exists at times. And I use the term believers very loosely, you know. Because you're wondering, just like she said, does God even, does he even hear my prayers? Where is God during this process? That's, that, that's a hard question to ask yourself. So that's why we're talking about real talk. Because sometimes you, you, you go to a service or you hear somebody preach and they talk about, oh, you're going to get this and then you're, 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 because you're, you're getting that and God, I call for this and, and you get... But, but where's the power behind what they're saying? We got we to gotta ask ourselves, are we just doing it just for ritual sakes? Getting a little ahead of myself here, but there are some others that cannot see God for who he is just because of the things that they're going through. Like we talk about some of the trials you're going through through life hacks and, and, uh, and, and some of the... Some of the uh, uh, behavior things that you're dealing with, not just with you, but in society. We don't get to see who God is. And a lot of that is because of our life experience. But I wonder, I wonder if, could this be because we're so busy that we don't have time to fit faith into our hectic schedule? Is it possible? I know it's it's a tough question to ask, and and this may not be the message that you're hoping for. I mean, we're going to shout later. I'll, 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 you know, we can we can scream and shout, and we can do all of that. But this is a time where we're going to have to just get real because when the Holy Spirit is in doing work, He does real work. So. Here's one thing that you can see over and over and over again in Scripture. Faith equals communication. Think about it. Every action that they did in faith, it started out with some type of communication. Now, how do they communicate with God? Prayer. How did God initiate with them? Sometimes he'll send somebody else. He'll send a prophet. He'll send an angel of the Lord. But there's always a communication between the two. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a definition of communication. Prayer say, like, well, that's a simple thing. I know what communication is. But really, definition for communication is a process by which information is exchanged. If I could underline that word, Exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. Hmm, behavior. Can we communicate with God through our behavior? Think about it. How do we honor God? Through our actions, through our behavior. That's another form of communication with him that's saying, Lord, I believe in your word. I believe in what you do. So it's not just it, prayer is, is also about action. So 
all through the Bible, we see people praying. And if we notice, if you guys remember, and I think you, we've heard it here before, where you talk about Jesus separated himself from disciples. Remember, and, and then that's when his homies fell asleep. You know, they, they were why he went off and prayed. But uh, when Jesus drew apart from the disciples to go talk to the Father, and the disciples, I remember one time, they, they, they eagerly, they, they, they wanted him to teach them about prayer. You know the message where he say, we pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I believe they heard Jesus talking intimately with the Father. Praying unlike anyone else they have ever prayed, heard pray before. Because when they hear pray before, it's usually in the synagogue or in the temple, right? And usually it's some sort of, we call it ritualistic function, where they're just pulling out words. But was there even power behind that prayer? Prayer is keeping company with God. Jesus had a need and a passion for conversation with God, not just because of what his responsibilities were, but because he knew that in order for him to do what he had to do, he had to communicate. We talked about that last week, right? So here's a self-reflection time, and I ask you, are you praying out of ritual or are you praying for relationship? Some people even just come to church because their parents made them come to church every single day. But yet they even lost the, the meaning or the true nuances of the purpose of being in a temple or the house of God. So then they go through the process. I mean, we see it today and a lot of other of our brothers and sisters, they go to other church. They go in, they go in, they do, they sit down, they kneel. Somebody does a thing and they go up and they sit down and kneel and they do the same thing. Sometimes they do it six, seven times in the course of a service. And then somebody says a dry prayer, call it like I see it. I've been to it. And then somebody else does a dry song. And I say dry because I didn't see any, any, any spirit or any faith behind what they were doing. I didn't, I didn't get in sense or, 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 or what they were saying had any power into it just besides of going through the ritualistic portion of it. In other words, I, didn't, I wasn't convinced about their conviction of what they were saying. Here's another thing that I've learned and understood over the years. It's not so much as to what you say to God in your prayers, but what he says to you. That's the important part, what he says to you. And if you say, well, he didn't really say anything to me, we're going to get into that. Remember the title? Listen. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, he says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable uh, things you do not know. Think about that. Look at that. It says, call to me and I will answer you. He didn't say, call to me and I will not do anything. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Can you honestly say that when you have called unto God, he answered you? And then if you say no, 
Were you listening? Or were you jawjacking so much that you didn't take time, a pause, or a breath? Or were you so worried about the thing that you were praying about that you didn't even take time to listen to him? So, two things to do. The compelling reasons that we should pray are, and here's two of them. One, talk with God every day because he enjoys your company. All right, be honest. Who talks to God every day? That's okay. You can be honest. Okay. Talk to God every day because he enjoys your company. He does. Number two, talk with God about everything because he cares for you. He does. If you can't talk to God about it, who can you talk to about it? From somebody around the way who really isn't around the way? Is that who you want to put your faith and trust in? I can tell you this, that everything that matters to you matters to God. Everything. Whether it's in a part of his plan or not, everything that you do, it matters to him. Because if it's your passion, he wants to know if it lines up with what he has for you. And understand that there is no detail that's too small about what you want to do. There's no detail too small about what you want to conversate with him. Now, I was debating about this, but I was saying to myself, man, really? Not everything too small? No detail too small? You know, does these shoes go with this outfit? Jesus. I mean, they, they kind of match a little bit, but I'm not exactly sure. Is that too small? Is that something we want to talk to them about? Because, you know, some people, they pray, they talk to God for everything. They thank them for the parking spot that they just got. You know, they thank them for the coupon that just popped up in their inbox or whatever. You know, they thank them for literally for everything. You know, Jesus talked to me and he said, look, you got to turn right here and then we're going to get that good parking spot. I believe that he does that personally. But, you know, uh, so you can, you can say, you know, some people just every little detail. You know, for me, I was like, you know, uh, do we ask God, do we have extra pizza on our, you know, when you order extra cheese? You know, Lord, should we get extra cheese on that deep dish? You know, in my house, there'd be no question. You wouldn't even ask. Our house, God would say, yes, get the extra cheese. Why are you even asking about extra cheese? You know how I feel about extra cheese. So those kind of things we think about, we say, man, is that, is that too little? But there's nothing really too little for us to talk about. See, prayer can change your perspective on our circumstances. And we look less to ourselves and more to God. I know that. I know we're probably going through some, some things that you say is one-on-one. But then if they're so good and they're so basic, ask yourself, am I putting these things into practice? And if I'm not, then maybe I should review those things again. If we pray about our trials, God changes our perspectives and be, hope, and be hopeful, right? And if we pray about things that are good, we become more humble. We talked about that last week about boasting. You know, and then how, how we need to acknowledge where that power comes from. And then by acknowledging that power, we understand that you know, we're just, remember, we're just a mist, but then we talk about what that mist was. How many of you guys remember last week's message? Okay. All right. We're good. 
<laughs> so we talked about how, how there's a mist. And then, and then even it, I used an example for uh, when you're outside at Disney and then they got the little mist and the water that go in when it's really hot, 120 degrees outside. And they get that mist and it feels really good and cool on you when it first hits you. But because it's still so hot, as soon as it hits you, now you're just hot and wet. So then what they do is sometimes, and you see some places, they have a fan blowing behind it. So then even when it misses you and it hits you because of that fan has power behind it, it's keeping you cooler longer. So even though we are missed, as long as we have power behind what we're doing, we're always going to be a benefit in the kingdom. So using that power, the power of God, and we acknowledge who he is and what he is, keeps us humble. If we do not pray, trials start to make us have self-pity. Oh, woe is me. Oh, no. You'll say everything under the sun except, Lord, help me. For some of us, the first, like I said before, the first thing we go to or the first people that we go to are those that are in those professions, that expertise. And that's fine. God uses a lot of different people. I'm not saying he doesn't, and he does. But you still have to take it to him so he can take you, have you go to the right person that he has for you if he's going to have somebody assist you. And good things make us prideful and selfish like we talked about last week. You think it's by your own power and not by his. So we have to understand that prayer also keeps us humble. So let me tell you this. If you like drama and chaos, don't bother praying. It's like, what? You know how some people like drama. You guys see them. You go into work. There's always that one person. As soon as they walk in, there's drama. You got that one family member. They come and you invite them over, and nobody ever wants them to come over to the house because there's always drama. You know people that, that drama just follows them no matter where they are. Just issues left and right, no matter where they are. So if you like drama, if you like chaos, don't even bother praying. i tell you why. Because prayer brings order to your life in chaos. Prayer brings order. So if you like that stuff, don't pray. You shouldn't be okay with chaos. Nobody should be okay with that in their life. And if you feel that right now, you feel like there's certain areas of your life that, that's a very little chaotic, I ask you then, where did you take it to? Here's another big question I want you to ask yourself. Is chaos in your life hiding your blessing? Is chaos hiding your blessing? I say, well, what does that mean? Unorganized, chaos, drama, issues going all over the place. You don't know which way to go or anything. But because you're not taking it to the source, blessings are just sitting there, but you're, you're not even seeing it because you're so focused on so many other things. It's about us not, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about focusing on him. It's not even a folk about focusing on the good or bad. It's about focusing on him. So we're going to get into our three life hacks. 
Okay. And the first one is power down to power up. Power down to power up. It could be helpful to write down your prayers. How many people, how many, how many of you write down your prayers? I do. Every morning when I'm at work, while I'm running my thing majiggies and stuff like that, whatever I do, uh, I, uh, I write down prayer. And I, I do it and I find myself more and more satisfied in the morning when I write down my prayer. If I don't write down that prayer in the morning, things actually get a little off keel. I don't feel balanced for some reason. So I make sure I take time to actually do that. So on my wall at work, I, I just have a stack of my prayers for like the past seven, eight months. And it's on a big binder. So it's like my prayer wall, but, you know, I work for the government, so you can't, you know, how that is. So I just have it discreetly sitting right there, big bundle of prayers, and each prayer is lining up one day after another, after another, after another, just so I can remind myself that I still have, my prayers are still out there, that no matter what happens, my prayers are still out there. And so ask yourself, am I writing my prayers down? Because it's important to create a timeline and a place for praying. You can say, man, did I go back in my prayer book? Did God actually answer that prayer? Where was I thinking about it? What was I praying about a year ago? And think about how that transition and how it transitions into now. In Matthew 6, verses 6, is read, but when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Man, that's, that's intense. Think about it. He's telling you to go in a closet. I know that there's a movie about prayer closet or something like that. What is it? The, the war room, which is a prayer closet. Um, and, and even the word, even, even the word talks about going to your prayer closet. And, and, and if you, and if you ever notice that in the word, in the, Jesus, God talks about how don't let the world see when you pray or when you mourn and you see the guys out in the street and then they're trying to make everybody look like that they're fasting and that they're looking somber and all that kind of stuff or whatever, trying to be showful and everything. That's your reward. Or then you have people that. I ain't saying nobody here. But then you have folks, they go and post online. You know, they're not posting online for the right reason about prayer. They're posting online to show everybody that they're praying. But then, you know, if you go 12 hours earlier, were they praying at the club? So you have to be careful about what you're doing and how you're doing and how you're portraying your prayer. But here the word is clear. It says go into your closet. So closets usually have doors, right? So usually what you do is you go in and shut the door. My wife and I, we have uh, uh, our, Brenda and I, we have our, uh, what do you call those things? Walk-in closets, right? But uh, we, we, uh, we don't have the room that we want to have until she gets married and get out of the house for our offices. So uh, that's my niece, by the way, April, I'm telling you. So, um, uh, so, so what we do is the, uh, the, uh, the closets are big enough for us. So we have a desk in the closet and everything so that we're making, we took part of our walk-in closet as a part of our offices, you know? And then, so when Brenda and I are going in, whenever we do work, school work or, 
or, or whenever we do stuff for ministry or whatever, we go in there and close the door. We shut the door because we, we want to be able to focus on what we're doing in a task at hand. Even if it's a task for work or something like that, if you're operating in what God has called you to do, that is still kingdom work because he's going to take advantage of what he's given you that opportunity to do. Remember that. I also remember in the Bible, uh, there was uh, the woman who prepared for Elijah. I don't know if you guys remember that story, but the woman who prepared Elijah, he would come by in the city and then she prepared a room for him, just specifically for him. Had a bed and a cot, so whenever he comes into the city, he had a place to stay and she would feed him. Had her husband make all of this up just for him. Nobody else was allowed to sleep in that joint but Elijah, the man of God. She was blessed when he asked her, what does she want? And uh, you're going to have a baby. We're going to give you your son. That's what God wants to give you. She was like, really? Don't be playing with me. You know, playing with my emotions. So she had the baby. Little boy got older. And he got sick and died. So she goes to Elijah. And she looks for him. She's like, look. How can God give me this? Here she's thinking, how can God give me all of this, what I wanted, and then take it away? Have I not been faithful to you? Have I not been faithful to our God, man of God? So in 2 Kings 4, 32, verse 35, when Elijah reaches the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Think about that. He went in and went. All the rest of y'all got to be there. It's just me and the issue that I'm dealing with is going to be in here. Just me and that issue. Then he got on the bed and laid on the boy's mouth to mouth eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the boy and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. He sneezed seven times. Why seven? Wouldn't one do? Two, three, five, number of grace? Seven, completion, perfection. Think about that. Even when he laid himself on him and he didn't get the reaction that he thought he should have gotten, Elijah got up and prayed again. But all of this, he went and shut the door. So I'm wondering if Elijah got up and he said, look, this is what we're going to do. Oh, man, that didn't work. Let me go to the throne again. Let me throw out another prayer to the source. That's important because he shut the door. The miracle of the boy coming back to life is great. But what's important for me is, is that he shut the door to go pray. He shut everything out, all the influences, all the things of the world, anything else that wasn't going to be a part of the solution, he made sure that it wasn't even in the room. That's sometimes what we have to do. We have to make sure that it's just us and that issue and God. 
And if nobody else is a part of the solution, then they're part of the problem. So, we're still in the same order. Always start with 10 things that you are thankful for when you're writing down. Write down your prayer. Write down 10 things that we're thankful for. And we do this not just during Thanksgiving, right? We want to do this all the time. Let's make it a daily thing. Just write 10 things of what we're thankful for. The length of the prayer is less important than the act of praying itself. When uh, me and a bunch of uh, men at my um, old, old church, uh, we would try to get some of the younger guys to start praying, right? So we said, okay, go get an egg timer. It costs like a dollar, two dollars at Family Dollar or Dollar Tree or Dollar General. We said, okay, get the egg timer. Just put it on 30 seconds. Do a 30-second prayer. We said, okay, two days later, put it on one minute. Then do a one-minute prayer. And then as you progress on, five minutes, ten minutes, to the point where now you're so comfortable in praying that you don't even need that anymore because it doesn't feel like it's stressful. It doesn't feel like that it's, it's a chore that is work, you know? It feels, it becomes organic. It becomes natural, a part of your whole program. So another thing, at night, start to pray with your spouse before you sleep. That's important. That's something that we all need to do. Because remember, with you and your spouse, you are one. So if the two of you are on two completely different pages, that's a problem. So you have to go towards one. Um, picture a triangle. I can't do a triangle, but just picture a triangle. You're here. Your spouse is there. And God is there. You're all connected at the top. That's how your relationship, and then not only that, your, your relationship, your spiritual walk, and your prayer life should be with God. So pray before you go to sleep, and then just listen. Sometimes you're going to listen, and then sometimes God responds to you in dreams. Sometimes you listen, and God will respond to you by something not happening. Or you wake up, and then all of a sudden there's a message of what you were trying to get accomplished or that you prayed God about. Doors will start opening. But if you're so worried about the problem and so worried about that and you're so worried about all the other conditions around you, how are you going to be able to listen if you don't take the opportunity to just shut up and listen? <clears throat> if this is a new thing, don't be ashamed for what you haven't done. Right? Don't be ashamed. There's no reason to it. Just begin to do it now. It's okay. We haven't done it before. It's all right. Today is a new day. Today we start forward. Second one in. The second life hack is invite in. Invite in. If you are sick, ask for godly people to pray for you. Godly people to pray for you. Having them around you can bring a sense of God's presence. It takes courage to ask for help. We know, uh, especially men, men doesn't like men don't like asking for help. Not alone asking for help when they're going through something as as like that, something that relates to it because it, it has a sense of like they're weak. So that's why it does take courage to ask for help. 
And I've said this before, but the most important thing whenever you ask for somebody to help is be careful of who you ask to pray with you and over you. Because some people are not in agreement with you. And some of those individuals may have lukewarm faith. And we know what the Bible says about that. Always be careful about who's going to pray with you and pray for you. I remember uh, I had a pastor. Uh, he was like a woman who went out to the parking lot. And a woman said, look, I got a word for you. And I said, I do too. See you next week. <laughs> got in his car and rolled. He was like, I'm out. He's like, I have one. I know who she is. Number two, uh, I don't know that word for her. She's always got a word. We call them parking lot prophets. You know, they always got a word for you, but then, you know, like I said before, they're on social media, and the social media tells a whole different story. The power of prayer is in the heart that believes. That's where your power is at. If you're praying and you don't believe it, just stop. Don't let it be ritualistic like we talked about before. Just go ahead and keep doing it. Just, just, just stop. Just stop. You have to be able to believe in what you're asking for. If you don't, you just, it's just this. It's literally the value of it is like this. What I'm doing with my hand. That's how much power that's in it if you don't believe. You're exercising, but that's all you're going to get. You're just going to get that physical, and all of a sudden you're just tired. Just doing this. He's like, all right, after all of doing all of this, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, now my hand hurts. Ain't getting none for it, but I got some aching fingers, right? But we want something where the authority or that whatever we have or what we believe in has the power behind it. So I can say, Lord, I believe in that healing. I believe that that child is going to come back to God. I believe it. I have to have the heart of the belief because if you don't believe it, how is it going to, how, how is it going to happen? God knows if you believe it or not. He knows if it's ritualistic or if you're coming from a heart of belief. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, just touching his garment because she believed. That's powerful. In James 1, verses 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. If you don't believe, just keep your mouth shut. Real talk. Sorry. It ain't me. Host, number three, last point, last uh, hack. Host a dove. Man, dove, what are you talking about dove? Dove represents the Holy Spirit, right? Remember when Jesus, we're going to get into that, getting ahead of myself again. But dove represented the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it says, when the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was, as he was what? As he was what? As he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So even 
the Son of God prayed and then the Holy Spirit descended upon him. That shows the power of prayer. Not just because he was Christ, but because he prayed. Imagine if Jesus didn't pray. Imagine he said, you know what, forget this. Nah, I'm done. You want me to do it? Oh, mm-mm. I was going to say something else when we in church. No, I don't think so. Listen, imagine that. Think about that. Think about where we would be right now if Jesus wasn't faithful and if he didn't pray. He had to pray because, remember, he was us in flesh. He assumed every single thing that we assume. He, he received every single type of uh, uh, trials that we received. Imagine if he said, I'm out. Let me go to the coast, chill on the coastline, get a nice house on an island somewhere. I'm done. Ain't nobody going to see me. I'm out. Where will we be today? Who would he use again? The one thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is always present all the time. And we have to be thankful for that. But we also make sure that we take advantage of that the good way and not take advantage of that the bad way. If we not only acknowledge this but believe in it, how would you live differently? If you know the Spirit of God is always with you, constantly, no matter what you do, where you are, even when you go into the take a shower, oh, Spirit, you know, some people are great worship singers in the shower. If you know the Holy Spirit is always around you, how would that act differently? Would your decisions be any different if you was operating under that mindset? It's almost like those people with those bumper stickers that say, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I don't know if you guys have ever seen those or not. Yeah? Okay. I'm just making sure y'all are awake. So if you, if, you, if, you, if you see those bumpers, it's like, what would Jesus do? Well, what, what, what would the Holy Spirit, if he was right here and I'm about to do something, what would God think about that? You don't want to get fanatic about it but operate automatically that the Holy Spirit is with you because he is. So we can learn to honor him and to know his heart more, un, more intimately as we go closer with him, knowing better what and how to pray. That's the important part. Learning, know, learning to know and what and how to pray. I probably say maybe three years, four years ago. Uh, how I prayed, I shift how I prayed. Instead of coming from a sense of prayer of, Lord, let me have this. Lord, I really need this. Instead of coming from a, a, a position of begging, I came from a position of thankful. So I started to say, Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for the blessing. I thank you for my my new job, or I thank you for my new house because I'm calling it, I'm believing in what his promises are. And so I'm thanking him. Even when I haven't seen it, like Demary said this morning or earlier, even when she didn't see it, even though she's thankful because she knows that it's going to fulfill, you got to have, that's what faith is. So when you pray, you're exercising your faith. You're saying, Lord, thank you for it. Even when you don't see it in the time frame that you think you ought to see it in, or even you don't receive it in the package that you thought you were going to receive it in. 
There's been plenty of times where I've gotten a package from, uh, uh, what's some dude's name we always order from? Amazon. I got that thing, and it wasn't what I ordered. I thought it wasn't, but actually it was. I had to send some of that back. But don't you know that when God gives you something, it was for the right time and the right moment and the right place. It may not have been what you wanted it. And you may say, Lord, I'm sending, I wish you would say something back that God gave you. There is no return to sender address for the Lord. When he gives it to you, you own it. Receive it with joy. That's as important, I think. It's important for us to change how we pray, change where our mindset is. Understand that just as much as you talk to your, your, your homie, your bestie, your friend, your whatever you guys call I don't know what the terminology is. Uh, what do you guys call it? Besties, friends, uh, whatever you call that crap. Just as much as you communicate with them, you should be able to communicate with God. If your first thought of something happens is to go to Pookie now, instead of going to Jesus now, then that's a problem. I want to go to Jesus now first and then let Pookie now see how Jesus now worked in my life. Then I'll go to Pookie now and say, look what God has done. You want to know why? Because I was faithful, because I took it to him first. I took it to his throne first. Let me be an example of his glory. So whenever we think about it, we say, okay, man, all right, all right, you're preaching, all right, pastor, whatever. You're saying this stuff, you're, you're talking about prayer, you're talking about change, you're talking about the power of prayer, and I understand that, but I'm still dealing with some stuff, I'm still going through some issues, I, I still don't know what's going on, and sometimes I feel like I'm just at a dead end. Still, I pray, I have faith, but my faith wavers sometimes because of what I don't see. So I feel like I'm on my last leg. I feel like I'm, not, I'm on my last thing. I feel like something, something just isn't, isn't operating right. I don't know what to do. That's hard. That's a hard fact to face. It's hard to understand how you're trying to be faithful to the will of God. But yet it seems like you don't see anything. You feel like you're at your dead end, just like a... Uh, how many of you ever played chess? Anybody play chess? I played chess. I was on my chess team in school. I'm saying I was that good, but I played it. I was all right. I was pretty decent. But, you know, there's some guys out there that are like Stephen Hawking-type chess players. You know, they can play 50 people and beat them all at the same time while they're playing them. You know? uh, and and uh, the thing about chess, if you don't know about chess, they have a multiple players. Certain players, like pawns, can only go forward on the first time, on the first move, two, two spots, and then after that is one spot, and you can only attack another player's uh, points at a certain angle and, and everything, and then you have rooks and you have castles that can only go forward, but they can go as long as they want. But then you have a queen. The queen can go wherever she wants as long as she wants. Then you got the king. The king can only go one space at a time. 
only one space at a time. He can go forward one, side one, right one, angle one, it doesn't matter. But he can only go one step at a time. And in chess, people, when you play in chess, somebody, the, the goal is to get your king, to corner your king up so he has no more moves. So that's where the term check comes from. The thing is, is that we have a king that always has one more move. No matter where we are or what situation we're in, he always have one more move. You see, we have a king that cannot be checkmated. You can never get him in a corner. You can never say, aha, I got you. He can never be defeated, ever. Your king always has one more move. There is always hope. He reveals things to us in prayer, and he deeply enjoys our time. So when you, when you say to yourself, man, am I, am I going to, is this going to happen or is that going to happen? You just need to know he always has one more move. You don't have to get discouraged because he always has one more move. I like the fact that I may be painted in a corner. But I know if I go to the throne, if I go to him, and if I pray to him with faith and vigor, he always has one more move for me. It's important for us to understand that. Important for us to understand that our God is... <sighs> He's the one. He's the one that, that lets you rest at night when there was nothing else that caused you to rest. He's the one that's going to give you peace. He's the one that's going to eliminate chaos. I don't know about you, but one of my promises or one of my commitments while going through this uh, process of being ordained um, as a pastor, elder under the Free Methodist, going through this whole process for a second time, the one thing I came to realize during that process, one of the questions that they ask is that name three things, three things that you can do. Three things that you can that, that you can do that's going to benefit not only you, but the kingdom. <clears throat> One of them I said was, I'm going to increase my study time in the word. Purposely increase my study time on a daily basis, not just every other day or anything like that, on a daily basis. But the other thing, the main thing I said is that I'm going to make prayer an intentional act not a reactional act. I'm going to intentionally say, you know what? I'm going to wake up with a praise on my breath. I'm going to go to sleep with a praise on my breath. I'm going to always try to have a prayer in my spirit, in my heart, always singing, always worshiping, always calling on him, always. It's hard, especially when you see the garbage that's in front of you. But you want to eliminate that chaos, that's what you do. 
I don't know how many people in here want to take that next step. If you do, whatever you have bowed, every eye is closed. If you want to take that next step and uh, just raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. If you want to increase your prayer life, if you want to change and eliminate chaos in your life, if you want to have a greater, a greater impact in Christ, in your relationship. The one thing that I know is that is not by my power or not by might, that it is by his spirit. It is by his love and his grace for each and every one of you. So when you say to yourself, where I, do I have one last move or when is it going to end? You're going to say, uh, my king has one more move. My king has one more move. All I got to do is just tap into it. You don't have to acknowledge it now. God has already spoken to your heart. The Holy Spirit has already moved in you. My prayer today was that each and every one of us leave here differently than when we got here. That is always my, my prayer. But we have to have joy in the Lord. Have joy in his presence. Have joy in his spirit. So, Lord, I call upon you today, Lord. I say, Lord, with an open heart, Lord, increase our ability to pray. Shift some things around, Lord, because you know, Father, that we've got some things going on, Father, but we want to have more time with you. Lord, we just don't want it to be ritualistic, Father. We just don't want it to be going through the motions. We want to have a true encounter with you, Lord. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit, Father, work. Let your grace and your mercy flow. But most of all, Lord... Increase our faith, Father. Even though we may not feel like it, we may not feel it, Lord. We may not feel you, Father, but just, Lord, just one more move, Lord. Increase our faith, Father. Let's push, Father. Lord, I know what you're showing me now, and I know where they are, Father, but I just pray for them right now. pray that what they're feeling right now is that there's more to you than what they have. Let that encounter happen right away, Lord. Let that change happen right away, Father. Let that physical change happen right away, Lord. They're tired of chaos. They're, they're tired of drama. They're tired of stress. They're tired of one thing after another. 
Bring peace into their heart, Lord. Lord, I ask that they increase their prayer, they increase their communication with you, Father. Let a new song be sung from their prayers, Lord. And let that power of that prayer, Father, manifest itself. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your presence continuously, Lord. I thank you for this house. I thank you for every soul that is here, Lord. I thank you for this series, Father. I thank you for the real talk and reflection, Lord. But most of all, Lord, I'm going to take an opportunity, Father, just to listen to you. Just to listen to your spirit, Father. 